Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Johara Tundok and Cavan. Discover the all-new Renault Arcana at Blackstone Motors that comes with a five-year warranty. Call us now to arrange a test drive or visit blackstonemotors.ie for more details. Welcome to a brand new week of Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Breaking news, breaking news on your favourite afternoon show. I found my spectacles. Yes, I found them, believe it or not. Oh, there's a story to this for sure. St. Anthony, I owe you. I really do owe you. When you hear the way they turned up, I'm going to tell you a little bit later on in the show. Hope you had a nice weekend. Wasn't the weather beautiful and it's to be gorgeous. A little cooler perhaps the week ahead, but a lovely dry week in prospect and we're very grateful of it as we head towards the middle of October. Artist of the week to come on the show. We're talking about transitioning back into the workplace. Many of us are and will be in the near future. Drogheda boys, their facility has been attacked again. It's simply shocking. We're going to hear about that. Monacan McGann is with us. Aron Agusim. Aron Agusim. Igelge. Thaimig Kint. Uh, we're talking about it a little bit later on with Monacon. And, of course, we want to hear from you in the show. 086-1800-658 is our WhatsApp or text number, or you can call in on 1850-715-958. You may recall last week we mentioned on the show about having babies in your 40s, and a number of people got in touch with us to tell us they had children in their 40s. And do you know that we are having children, or our ladies are having children, later and later in life? The latest findings, the average age having a first baby is 33 in Ireland. That's the highest ever since records began in 1955. And 7% of new moms are now over 40 in Ireland. And they're the latest figures that we have. So we're going to talk about it for the next while on Late Lunch with two mammies who had babies in their 40s. In a moment, we're going to talk to Ailish Matthews. But first up, Kathleen Black is on the line. Hello, Kathleen. Hi, Jerry. How are you doing? I'm good. See, I can remember when you were having this child. Can you? I can. Do you forget? No, I don't forget. <laughs> A lot of people can remember. <laughs> but Kathleen, come on, tell them they're all listening, bated breath and ears at Wigan today. For You had four children at the time. and yes. th- This was a girl, was it? No, it was a boy. Oh my God, sorry. I beg I, your pardon. I don't remember either. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a boy after four girls. Uh, I had three girls and one boy and the fifth was a boy. Okay, so it, it, it was a boy. And you were what age at the time? 43. Kathleen, at 43, had you not enough at that stage with four of them? 
Oh, well, if you play with fire, you get burnt. <laughs> <laughs> and you and Michael certainly needed a fire tender at times, considering you have five of them now at this stage. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, so, so look, at seriously, like, and, and previous to that, what age were you when you had number four? Uh, number four was 12 years before that, so why, that was... Oh, Kathleen, Kathleen. Yeah, there was a 12-year gap. 12-year gap between number four and number five. Uh-huh. Now, Kathleen, in a decade plus two years, the world had certainly changed, and you had as well. You know, when you're heading into your 40s, towards mid-40s, did you find it more difficult than the others? No, definitely not. Why? I think, e- I think it was easier. I think I was just totally relaxed, and what is to be, will be, and... So long as he was healthy. Yeah. That, that was my main concern, mm. you know, if there was going to be any issues there. So I had different tests done and it came back that, no, everything was 100% fine. And that's just plodded on. And I had only gone back to work, as you know, a few years prior to that. And so when the others were big enough to coming in from school and whatever. Mm. So then it was a, a bit of a shock to the system, but we just worked around it and got on with it. As I said, so long as he was healthy, that was my main priority. But Kathleen, like 12 years, the 12-year-old then was heading to the the troublesome teen years and suddenly have an infant in the house again. The night feeds, getting up, chasing after them, the sterilisations, the changing of the nappies. No bother to you? No, it was, I'd say, it was completely relaxed. I actually fed him myself, which I hadn't done the other four. And everything just went perfect. Mm. And and the other children, what, right, so 12 years between four and five. What was the yep. age gap between the little boy and your first child? 18 years. 18, okay. She, she, she nearly left home. Yeah, yeah, she was nearly she, gone, so it was like a conveyor no, no, belt. No, no, I mean she nearly left home when she discovered I was pregnant. Oh. She was horrified. <laughs> <laughs> was she? Horrified. Was she really mortal? Absolutely. And one of her friends turned around and said, it's not your baby, so what are you worried about? And that settled matters quite quickly, I'm sure, then, when she heard that from from the friends. So so you you nearly had a moving out when you had an arrival. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, now now all these years on, with that gap, is it sort of like having two different families? Is there, you know, 18 years between them? Not really, because my second daughter... Um, my two grandchildren are actually closer in age to him than he is to his siblings. Right. So there's a he's what he's nine he's nearly twenty now, so fourteen, and so he, he's nearly closer to them. So yes, you know. Just, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, listen. All as it comes, there's no point in panicking. You just <laughs> get on with it. <laughs> well, come on, Kathleen. All these years later, you can be honest, and there's just you and me talking here. Was it was it a shock to the system, like? You play with fire, you get burnt. <laughs> so it was a bit of a shock. It was, it was yeah, it was a shock. But as I said, no, yeah. as, long as, as long as he was mm. healthy, that was my priority. And you um, love children. Yeah. I know this. You're love, you have a great family. You're a wonderful family. You love children. Well, absolutely. Because I, 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 was, I grew up with them and I'm still growing up with them. Yes, I know. I know. I know. But uh, there you go. So 43, 12 year gap. Stay on the line there because there's another mammy listening attentively and waiting to talk to me. Ailish Matthews. Hello. 
Hello, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. Now, no problem. Now, just listening to Kathleen there, there's a 14 year gap between me and my baby brother. Is there? Yes. I was a baby for 14 years and then he came along. I'll tell you one thing. There's no issue, like, with gaps. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're as close today as we were when he was born. There you go. So 14 years made no difference. You weren't, your nose wasn't out of joint or anything, that you weren't the baby anymore. No, but he was a boy. It wasn't a game. Yeah. Oh, geez, there'd be some rivalry with two women, would there? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, people worry about gaps, but no. Yeah. Yes. No at all. Isn't that interesting that yeah. that gap was there and it made no difference? Now, come on, on to you. You, first of all, had a little girl called Katie. She's six now, is she? Yeah, she's almost six now at the end of November, yeah. And I had her when I was nearly 36. Okay. And do you mind me asking you why you waited so late in life to have your first child? Oh, sure. Ne- I never met the love of my life, Jerry. Ah. Uh, uh, what's yeah. his name? Vinton. Ah, good man. So you met him in later life, you're telling yeah. me? Yeah, yeah. And you yeah. just felt then, let's go for it at this stage. At this stage, yeah, at that stage in your life, Jerry, yeah. Yeah. You know, so we had our first little girl, I was almost 36. And then um, I had the twins then when I was almost 41. And the twins are Matthew and Annie, I know, and they're just yeah. over one now, is that right? They were one on Tuesday, they're gone. Ah, yeah. just one. Ah, happy yeah. birthday to them. Yeah. And, and I pose the same question to you, right? You have your little girl, she's six. Twins, is it, is it double double the trouble when they arrive in terms of workload and you feeling drained and having to cope with all this? Surprisingly not. I work in a crash, Jerry. So to me, it was just water for ducks. Back. Do you know what I mean? Mm. You know, like, it, don't get me wrong. It, it's busy. Like, you only start with one, you change one, you feed one, and then you start in Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's busy, but not, you know, but it's double the hugs and double the love, Jerry. Mm. Ah, lovely you know. words. And for, for Katie, at six years of age, she must be thrilled with them. Like that age and to have these new, a new brother and sister. Yeah, she was delighted. You know, and she, and to be honest, we were, a lockdown came after we came home mm. and uh, she was at home with me and it was super help. You mm. know what I mean? Mm. Daddy was away working, Daddy's a farmer, seven days a week working. So she was there with me and we had a great time. Yeah. She talked to them like, you know, she really did. I'd say she's a great little help to you. Absolutely. She and she loves them. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was nervous of you know that you know yourself, you you know you didn't bring home one baby, Jerry, you brought home two babies to the house. Mm. You know, but she did love them. You know, we just wanted a sibling. It didn't happen. There was a five year gap. We lost three in between. Oh so my. Mm. Yeah, so then we we got pregnant with twins and I managed to hold on to them. So that was a miracle in itself. You must have been nervous, though, with three miscarriages in between that yeah. you'd uh, go full term with this pregnancy. I was, Jerry, but the lockdown helped me. I was only eight weeks pregnant when the lockdown, the very first lockdown hit. Yeah. So I was at home. Yeah. And you were, you were more relaxed. Yes. You were able to take, you know, your nap on the couch or your, do you know what I mean? You mm. weren't, you weren't in the rat race of getting up out the door, you know, yeah. dropping to school, going to work coming home do you know what I mean it was more it was more chilled more relaxed so in a way it played into your hands and it yeah. helped you take it easy look you, you know Kathleen mentioned it there you are you know approaching 41 was that a worry for 42. you too for, sorry, sorry yeah. beg your pardon I'm, I'm giving you back a year anyway don't, yeah. uh, don't ever don't ever <laughs> bounce that back at anyone when they give you a year back believe me it's very important but look here's the thing you know Kathleen mentioned her concern and all she wanted was a healthy happy baby and that's was that your 
No, I wanted talks. two healthy, happy babies. I was looking for a miracle, but I got it, thankfully. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. I was very, we're very lucky. We're blessed. Mm. We're completely blessed. And I can't vouch for, I didn't have any children in my 20s, so I can't see whether the difference in having them in my 20s and 40s, say, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I do think the older you are, you're more chilled with them. You're not, you're not worried about other people or keeping up with anyone else or, you know, you just yes. focus on your kids being happy and healthy and yes, plod along, you know. Mm. I want to come back to Kathleen on that one. Kathleen, just come in there because you hear what Ailish is saying there. You're not concerned about anyone else because that struck me about your case. You would have been going to the creche if you used it or to the school with your little boy and there might have been mums there in their late teens, early 20s and they're looking at you or did they look at them or was it ever an issue, Kathleen? No, definitely no issue whatsoever. Had it along, never yeah. even thought about it. As I said, my concern was that he was healthy. He grew up. He used. I was continued working, and he used to go to a crash then or a childminder, and it was home from home. And I pick him up after school and or when I finished work, and no, there was no issue whatsoever. Mm. I, I definitely would say yes. More relaxed, more chilled, and you know. Mm. Uh, I probably was a seven-day wonder for a few days. But after, that. <laughs> after that, no issue. Here, I'm going to put this to both of you and you can respond. Look what's after arriving on my desk. Hi, Jerry. Listening to the girls there. My friend was five weeks short of her 50th birthday when she gave birth to a one and only child. No medical help needed to conceive at all. Ailish, 50. Fair play to her. <laughs> Jerry, Jerry, age is only a number. Yeah, you're you're as young as you feel. Mm. You know, if you're young at heart, go for it. Mm. You know, definitely, age is only a number. Yeah, hundred percent. So, Ailish, you're 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 still in the game. Oh, I'm still in the game, Jerry. <laughs> I'm still in the thick of it. Kathleen's the other end of it. She sleeps this night when they're going out. I sleep this night with feed and everything. Uh, no disrespect to Kathleen, but she'll be in the Guinness Book of Records if she's still in the game, <laughs> Kathleen. Definitely not in the game. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know seriously to both of you I say this because look at I've been through my own children my grandchildren and I'm involved with them myself as well and it's 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 tough going you know what I mean when they're up in the middle of the night or they're a little illness or a sniffy nose and you're worried about them you know what I'm talking about Ailish we're in the thick of it at the minute we all have uh, runny noses here Jerry and yeah. cough mm. you know but I prefer those sleepless nights than Kathleen's worrying about them out at discos and stuff. I've all that ahead of me. <laughs> <True>. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you see. I, I'll be hoping for a lockdown when the staff are <laughs> Do you know something? There's always a silver lining, isn't there? There is. But you know, that is the truest thing. I remember that to both of you. My mum, my late mum Mary, saying to us when we had children, she's the happiest days you'll ever have them is where you know where they are and where oh, they're yeah. sleeping at night. And that's so oh, true. Yeah. Kathleen, yeah. is that the truest truism ever, Kathleen Black? Oh, without, 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 without. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 And I think the worry. Yeah. Children growing up nowadays, they think it's going to be a lot tougher than yeah. it was, you know, when my older ones were growing up. Yeah. Um, that definitely is. Mm. Life has changed so much, and even for the grandchildren, I kind of, you know, would be concerned. Yes. What's ahead? Yes. What's, yeah.
Yeah. Yeah, that life has changed so much. So there you are, Ailish, Kathleen saying to you, you have it made, you have it made at the moment and enjoy it. Well, And that's all you can do. I say that about, you know, to anybody with children. You can't wish them grown up. You can't oh, no. wish them to be no. two or three. You have to go through where they are today, like are all of us, and live each day as it comes, Ailish. And enjoy it. Enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy it. Because that's the main thing. Once you can enjoy them. Yes. You know, that's, you know, and you're not worried about anything else. Just enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, Ella's been on to us to say, just to remind you, Jerry, want to join in the conversation there. Tell the ladies, Ursula Andres had a child at 60. Oh, my God. Did she? Wow. Is that true that Ursula Andres had a child? I can't confirm or deny that, but Ella's saying no she tackling, had. They're tackling, they're tackling. <laughs> <laughs> I think Kathleen's collapsed on the end of the phone. I'm not. (laughs) I'm I'm definitely 100% safe. (laughs) (laughs) And and Ella says, imagine going through those teenage problems you're talking about there in your 70s or 80s. Oh, sure, look, we don't even want to contemplate that at all. So the message today on Late Lunch is from both of you ladies that... Children in the 40s are no issue for either year to be enjoyed. Kathleen, you first to finish. 100%. No yeah. issue whatsoever. Just you go with the flow. There's no point in panic. And um, age is only a number. Yeah, age so. is only a number. Yeah. And to you, Ailey, with your two one-year-olds there, who had their birthday every recently. Every minute of it. Yeah. Because it goes far too quick. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Can I actually say there, Jerry, my, my youngest here had four. They were his siblings, but they looked after him and I could literally block the hat and go and do something else and I knew he was well looked after. Mm, yeah, yeah, I hear what you're saying there. We're just losing you slightly on the signal, Kathleen. We're going to let you go in a second. And back to you, Elise. Well, look at anyway, you have a great little helper there in Katie. You're loving life and the message is go for it. Go for it, yeah. <laughs> Good on. Yeah, just go for it. Look, it's been great uh, to have both of you with us on the show today, following on from a brief conversation we had on the air here last week, myself and Louise, about it. Great to hear from both of you today and wish you well with your children, family, grandchildren and all else in life. Thank you so much for your time today. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Kathleen Black there and Elise Matthews talking to us about age and having babies, both in their 40s, having them. If you've anything to say, had you a baby in your 40s? Do you know anyone who approached the 50 mark? What's your thoughts and what the girls had to say there? Love to hear from you. 086-1800-658. That's 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. If you'd like to call in, it's 1850-715-958. I found them, Louise. I found them. Can't wait to hear where. <laughs> the glasses. They were missing since last Thursday week. I was in bed, was it Saturday or Friday night? When did I send you the message? Saturday, was it? Saturday, Probably Saturday. Yeah. Saturday Friday night. Tell me where they you were. You know the way I had a duvet cover doubled down and in the middle of the night, I must have given it a pull up or something, felt a bit chilly or that. <laughs> and I heard a noise. Now, this is in the dark of the night. I heard something fell and I just didn't pay any heed. Anyway, got up in the morning, <laughs> went round to make the bed, which I always do first thing. And there they were on the ground. They were in between the, the folded duvet. Well, I don't. Were they broken? No, perfect. Ooh. Absolutely perfect. So they were in the bed for like four days. Not four days. Seven, seven to Thursday, Friday, eight days, eight, eight days, eight days, eight days between the duvet covers. You took them off when you were crying into your pillow for, for, for Kylie last week. Didn't you? It must have been. It must have been. And there they were on the ground. Do I owe Anthony? Do you think? Yeah. Do I? How much did you promise him? Nothing. <laughs> so he's up no matter what I give him. <laughs> anyway, then I lost my car key Saturday. 
<laughs> and it go. turned up later in the day. I think there's something following me, a spirit or something where that's do you put moving the, these uh, things. Where are you going to put the money for St. Anthony? Uh, I can never find a box. I'm going to put it, I'm going to give him six euro. I'm going to donate it to the National Lottery before Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll split him in in the winnings. <laughs> So Anthony, Anthony, I'm putting the six euro to good use. Come on, imagine what we could do if the six numbers come up. Anyway, the glasses are back. Just tell you, I'd you'd come. get lost. <laughs> I would only after for- Wednesday. <laughs> I think no, I'll be here. I promise. You. I'll be here no matter what happens. <laughs> anyway, coming up after two, Manakon McGann talks to us about Aran August Im, but heading to news and weather too. This is for my baby. She you know it well. I've told you that many times. Yes, I called her after this. It's Thin Lizzy, Mr. Philip Linnett, and Sarah. Just for you today. When you came in my life, you changed my world, my Sarah. Yes, Ella's been on just to confirm that Ursula Andrus hadn't that baby at. Uh, 60 but at 43 I'll tell you you gave us a good laugh with it anyway Ellen crack with the two ladies earlier on uh, and uh, she goes on to say that she had in her mind Cecily Elledge who had a pregnancy through a surrogate mother and had her baby son at 61. Thanks indeed for coming back to us there. Mary Murphy in Ashbourne is a fantastic woman. She was in touch to say she had 14 healthy children, ranging in age from 63, the oldest now, and 36, the youngest. She had one at 41 and the last one at 46. And all of them are well. Mary, you're some woman for one woman. Thanks for getting in touch with us on the show. I love it and I love my next guest I have to say anytime he's been with me on the show he's been simply fascinating and he's bringing his groundbreaking show Aran Agassim to the solstice in Navin on the 14th of October that's this Thursday and then it goes to the Thorn in Dundalk on the Friday the 15th that's this week Thursday and Friday I'm delighted to say hello again to Monacan McGann hello Monacan Ah, it's great to talk to you again. Thank you so much for taking the call. Not at all. I'm curious, and I've known about this show for some time, but I want you to tell the listeners, where did the concept come from? Because it's simply brilliant. So the idea is, you know, with the things we all want to talk about with regard to the Irish language, but we find it so hard. We tend to say the same things. It was either it was beaten into me or it was badly taught. And there's so much more to talk about. The fact that it has all of these insights into mythology and into other worlds and the fact that it, the spirit life is so key, like a part of it too. So I wanted to find a way of exploring all that. And I thought, I wonder, could I use the metaphor of baking bread, like bread that from flour that was grown in Ireland um, and then having it with butter using milk that was you know, produced by cattle in Ireland and that the audience would then churn the, the, the cream um, to make the butter for the show and that they would also, um, they, they, well, that I would make the bread during the show. And so you'd actually be seeing bits that came from the land, from the animals of Ireland, and that would then be used like as a metaphor to talk about how the Irish language and mythology is also rooted to these ancient things. I think it's a brilliant concept and a wonderful link as well because tell me the home through the years where bread wasn't made it was a traditional thing in Ireland and of course the churning of the butter as well and it, it's certainly coming back the making of the sourdough and the churning as well so you're on stage actually making this bread and I know a little bit about sourdough myself have you the, the pre-prep done you know the proving and all that or does that happen throughout the show? 
So a, a little of both. So exactly, exactly. I'll have some loaves prepared from the day before, and they'll go into the oven. But at the same stage, we'll be making new bread from scratch. Like I'll be mixing up the flour and the water, and then I'll have some of the starter, um, you know, made from earlier. And I love it. The Irish word for starter, for sourdough starter, is douchera, as in douching, wake up. So it's like the, the it's the flour and water with all these magical you know, yeasts and bacteria and enzymes that are on our bodies and are in the air and they're everywhere um, and they're in the land, just like just like the Irish language. They're sort of part of the land. They're already in the flower. They've made it. They spark the flower to life. They're the doucher, the waker-upper of the, of the bread line. And is it true to say that in a teaspoon of the sourdough starter, well, this is incredible, five billion different bacteria and 50 million different wild yeasts all combining? Is that true? It is, it is. And it's hilarious because this is, because I'm doing this show in COVID times and there I'm baking bread and then the audience are going to eat the bread and they're going to churn the butter. We're having to like sanitize our hands like the audience do before they churn the butter and I do before I break the bread. But at the same time, I'm telling them that there are, as you say, <laughs> five billion different particles of bacteria just in a tiny like teaspoonful. And these bacteria could eat the pants off anything that Corona could show us. Like these are monsters. They, they, they expand. They could expand to the size of planet Earth within two days if given enough food. They are <laughs> monsters. Have you been in front of an audience before you uh, appear now at the Solstice on Thursday and the Thorn? Are, are you back on stage and, and if you have, that must be something else. Oh, it's been brilliant. The last three weeks, I think I started off in the Druid in Galway and then I did a few days in the Cork Opera House then a few days, then a day in, in backstage in Longford and I've just come back from Hawkswell and Sligo yesterday and the day before in Greenon in Letterkenny and it's just lovely to have a room full of people and that we can sit in that room talk and then we can even engage with these things if they're done right you can have everybody trying the butter everybody churning and you know they can see then the links between with that and Irish mythology and Irish language how mm. all of these things they're rooted to nature rooted to landscape and rooted to how we've been working with this with the natural rhythms of this island for, for thousands of years. Now you're synonymous with the TV series No Berla. Uh, you're the man behind Gaelgit Tamagotchi which I love too I have to say and recently you completed the wonderful book 30 wor- 32 words should I say for Field. So this is, a no- this is all building and building blocks and interconnected Monaghan. Exactly, exactly. Because next week, I think on the 22nd of October, I have a new book coming out called, what's it called? It's called Three Dogs, Banshee Fingers and Other Other Words for Nature uh, in Irish or something. Um, And so it's a picture book. It's like this heavy illustrated book with um, loads of different new words. Words to show how the Irish language explains nature in this really like childlike, simple way. You know the way like the, a bat, a bat is skihan lahar, leather mm. wings. Mm. Like that's so, it's like if a child saw a bat and thought that looks like leathery wing things or like a whale, there's for a whale is meal moor, basically big giant monster, giant animal. And then a, a midge is meal togue, which is like little animal. Mm. Like it's, there's a really basic way, rather than, you know, some languages will look at animals through a sort of a biological framework or through the Latin, the posh words of Latin and Greek. And Irish is just like with the child's innocence, child's curiosity about the world they describe, um, where there's a lovely maher suig, which is a squid, an octopus, and a basically sucking mother. The mother just because she like because she looks after her t- children, so she sucks them to her. But also, I suppose her maybe the the throwing at the spit, maybe spitting at the ink. Yeah, and 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 you take people through different aspects of Irish life. You mentioned wildlife there, the landscape. Uh, you know, our inside intuition, all these type of things. You 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 have a patter as you work away doing the bread and the butter through the show. 
Exactly. I do. Like, it's so easy. I would, you know, if you're talking about how the mythology has a key role to play in the language, and there I'm told, when I'm, when I'm making the butter, I'm telling them, before you put butter in the oven, you know, you had to put a cross on top of the, oven, of, of the bread. And there was, mm. a, there was a magical reason for that, a fairy reason for that. I don't want to announce it now. Or even there's a word in Irish, there's a word in Scots Gaelic, and I still find it up in Donegal, for the flour you sprinkle on bread before you put it in the pan to protect it from the fairies. So the fairies are a key part of baking bread and a key part of churning butter because there was just always this idea that if a left-hander churned butter, the fairies wouldn't allow the, the butter, the cream turned to butter. So in all these things, as you say, they give insights into the landscape, insights into the fairy world, and insights also into things like how the sun, the ungreen is such a key part of obviously growing these cereal and milk, but also of speaking the Irish language just because... Um, to give directions, you know, you always go, I'm going southwest on my holidays or something. You tend to orientate yourself to the sun. Mm. You know, I was thinking about you the other day, and I, I, I value every time you speak to me, and I was thinking about you coming on about this, and it was, you know, there was a lot of wind, and we had a very quiet summers, you know, wind-wise, yeah. but it, it was very noticeable in the later days and into the early part of the weekend. The wind really picked up, and I was passing a house where there was, it wasn't fully roofed yet, and there was a plastic, and it was blown like mad in the wind, and I was thinking of a saying, because I know you go into the Irish sayings again, that's always stayed with me from my school days. It says, well, I'll just say it to you, because it's often in my mind, and I thought, of you, Nihelon Nguihelon the Scullub. Oh, that's right, lovely. Yeah, exactly. Nihelon Nguihel, so it's not the windy day, is not the day, and the Scullub, as far as I know, is those little the, the things, the, the pins that are kept, there's a word for those, the pins that are used to keep the, the, the thatch the on thatch. the roof. Yeah, yeah. That's, there's a word for those pins, um, because it's serious, and I can't remember anyway, they were made out of hazel, weren't they? They were, mm. they were, they, 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 they brought the, that's a great, and I think, so the man who was putting those pins on, he wouldn't want to be doing it on a windy yes. day, because otherwise the, the, the thatch would all blow away. Correct. Yeah. So the, what, what I'm getting at is what you're saying, the Irish words are so on the money, and the sayings are so true as well. You know what I'm getting at? And there's lo- that's only an example of one, there are millions of them, I'm sure, as well, that you can dip in and dip out of. It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful concept. But one thing I wanted to ask you, uh, and in your experience in presenting this show, is it for an Irish audience only, or do you get others coming who are curious about the language and the culture from the new Irish, let me say? Yeah, so, um, I mean, I, I'm doing a tour of this in North America next year, and I wonder, will that be more Irish-Americans? I suppose it yes. will. The one thing that I surprised, when I did my previous show, Gwelga Tamagotchi, where I gave out 4,300 words to describe someone's character in Irish, and people would just adopt a word, I had people come from all over the world to that. I had, it was set up in the Project Art Centre in Dublin, Temple mm. Bar, and I had Koreans coming in, and Africans, and everyone, and people, they all realised that we have our own culture too, that are, that are our own insights, and we love the fact that you're valuing ours, because for you know your own one because then it makes them appreciate theirs. Um, but that said, to be fair, I haven't had all that many people of other backgrounds coming. Yes. To and it's a shame because mm. like South Tarado is such a key part of of Eastern European tradition, particularly. Mm. Mm. Oh, listen, yeah. uh, it's only a matter of time. Anyway, you're in the solstice this Thursday. You're in the Thorn in the Dock. Two beautiful theatres on the Friday night. What time do the shows begin? I think the solstice of one is about three o'clock and then another at eight o'clock. And then in the town, they're going to do it in the Glide Inn in Anagassan instead. The town are going to present it in the, the oh, Glide Inn. fantastic. Yeah, slightly further south in Loud. Yes. And we'll be doing that again, I think about one o'clock and then four o'clock, I think. Two shows every day. But okay, so for tickets, contact the solstice in Navin directly, yes? 
Exactly, and then the tine as well. And then come along and you'll have a load of sourdough bread and you'll get to eat some churn butter and you'll get to churn butter and we'll have a bit of fun. And it's, you know, it's all in English. Just, I say things, everything I say in Irish, I then say in English yes. afterwards. Yeah, yeah. No, these are special shows, folks. They really are. So Salsa's two shows on Thursday and two as well under the auspices of the town in the beautiful Glide Inn in Anagas and oh you love it there looking out over the sea and Dundalk Bay it's fantastic I wish you well congratulations again on a wonderful show thank you again until next time Slán go fall Monacan McGann there fantastic guy he really is and something quite different you'll eat the bread you'll break the bed and you'll spread the butter on it isn't that something else something to do something to get out and enjoy that's a little bit different late lunch LMFM radio from the joys of butter and bread making to the absolute devastation that Drogheda Boys Football Club are feeling today after the arson attack on the premises again last night. Graeme Campbell, their chairman, is with us next. Drogheda Boys are the premier underage soccer club in the Drogheda and Greater Drogheda area and they do fantastic work with children of all ages and, of course, they're very close to Drogheda United, the League of Ireland club as well. Their premises was attacked again last night and joining me is their chairman, Graeme Campbell. Hello, Graeme. Hi, Jerry. Do you ever just feel like throwing your hat at it? Um, on, on previous occasions, yes. Um, lately, though, particularly since it's only five months since the last um, bit of devastation we've had up there, I'm, I'm trying to take a more pragmatic approach to things and, and just be realistic about it and see how best we can we can solve the, the, the ongoing issue. That is anti-social behaviour up there. What happened? Um, so last night I just started a shift at work and um, I got it. I text off one of the parents at the club saying that they could see um, flames coming from the the ground from the house. So um, I, I I logged off and drove up um, to two fire engines who were battling a blaze at our dressing rooms which is on the Mullen side of the, the ground, kind of behind the shops for anyone who knows the area. Um, I stayed there for about two hours watching smoke billowing out of the roof of it. There was, at one stage, there was five fire service vehicles there. At 11 o'clock when I left the premises, the fire was still being battled. Um, the guard stayed with it overnight. I came up this morning, spent some time with the, the crime scene investigation unit who carried out a thorough kind of investigation and the most likely cause was that a small hole was kicked in the bottom of the steel door. Fireworks were set off inside the building um, and they caught fire to some stuff that was being stored at the back of it and the place went up like like a matchbox um, and then needs to be demolished. So your dressing rooms are gone entirely. There's no way back. They're completely destroyed and any equipment or that you had in there has gone up in smoke too. Our dressing rooms are gone. Our toilets, which we spent around 10000 on last year during the lockdown to renovate, are gone. Um, more importantly and, and more annoyingly for us at the moment is all our electrics is fed from that building. So we now have no floodlights anywhere at the club, either on the Marley's Lane side or at Mullen side. Um, which means that none of our 300 kids can train once it gets dark. It gets dark at about 6, 6.30 at the moment. So mm. but we're, we're in a bad situation there um, this week. Um, it, it doesn't look like we're going to get power on anytime soon. Um, so it, it's a bit of a headache. So these mindless morons have crippled you and affected hundreds of children. Over 300 children. Um 
plus plus all our volunteers. Um, you know, so you're talking 400 directly, and then families and everyone affected by it. Um, by someone who just was really determined to see what would happen if they fired off some fireworks inside a building. This is simply unacceptable, deplorable. It's shocking. Do you feel there's any link between, mate? Do you feel this is a a concerted effort by a small number of people, the same people who are all the time at this? I don't. Um, I, I think it's a generational problem. I think that the area below there, particularly at the Ramullan side of our grounds, is, is really badly planned out. Um, I think it's a magnet for antisocial behaviour. Um, I think it's been left um, to its own devices for far too long um, by people in charge over that area. Um, and it's it, it's a constant problem. And until it's addressed uh, and addressed address properly, it'll never change. Does it come under the gear and report? Do you know? You know this major report that issued in Drogheda in the in the yeah, aftermath. There's nothing, there nothing directly mentioned about our grounds in the gear and report. Um, and you feel you know, there I, should have been. Oh, definitely, definitely. Does does not it does not a more where that that those dressing rooms are, Jerry? And I, I'll 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 stand by this. Does not a more antisocial behaviour area in Drogheda than there. Mm. Um, currently and at least for the last few years, if not for the last decade, yeah, and more. Um, and it's 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 a real it's a real bad issue for ourselves because we happen to own land there, um, and then obviously then for for Grove Rangers next door are using the council property, um, and for obviously I assume the residents who live around it must be just under a constant torrent of of hassle. Um, you know, the, the guards can only do so much. They they put a six man task force in after the last fire. And the best they could do was, they did a great job, but all it was was keeping a lid on the issue. Um, and once the guards go off, you can't expect them to keep sick people there all the time. Once the guards go off, that issue returns. Um, so they're very able to keep a lid on it. So until until people further up the chain actually sit down and engage and come and see our place um, at daytime, at nighttime, and see the issues that fail, um, it'll never change. Who are you it's calling and what are you calling directly today? Use your... Use this as a platform. What what are you asking for? Lower County Council own all the, the land um, on both sides of our ground. They own most of the houses on both sides of our ground, um, and the residents are tenants of the most of the residents are tenants of the Lower County Council. Um, the area is absolutely perfectly designed for antisocial behaviour, and the people involved in planning need to come in and engage with us and sit down with us and try and figure a, a, a realistic solution that's going to stop that um, right now I want to demolish that building Jerry, and I want to build a 150 foot wall the whole way across to block off that um, any entrance to our ground from that side um, and that's 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 really really what needs to happen which is it's crazy to suggest in one way um, you can imagine the cost of that um, but does I, I don't see another solution fences don't work um, community prog- pro- um, community programs, which, as you know, we've we've delved into continuously. Um, all these things are just keeping a lid on what is a, a, a planning issue for the residents, which we include ourselves. Hmm. On a practical basis, no lights, no changing, lots of equipment gone. What are you going to do, and how can people help you to try and get back up and going again? I'm not sure. Um, after. On the last while where we lost our equipment, we put a GoFundMe out and the response was unbelievable from the local and wider community. Um, and we raised over 20,000 on that. We, we've already spent 15 odd thousand 
kind of building back up the equipment. We're about to spend over 5,000 more putting CCTV in and on the ground. Hopefully that'll be in this month. Um, but I'm, I'm not, there's going to be no cash appeal this time. Um, it, it's really, people in the local area can help by educating that, you know, the, the youngers um, on, on having a bit more respect for, for the area they live in. Um, but, you, you know, it's really now, it's, it's central government, it's the County Council, it's the people involved in those gearing reports, they, they really need to engage with, with our football mm, club. Mm. Um, because we, we're, we're the largest football club in town. Yeah. We, we do do an amazing job um, in many areas, not just in sport, in community, mm. in, in helping to deal with people's social issues. We, we do an awful lot more than your average club. And, um, you, you know, the people that did the people that are responsible for the areas around that ground really need to start engaging with us. You haven't said a truer thing. I've said it here many a times. Education begins at home and it's the responsibility of parents and guardians to ensure that their children are raised as good people. And that's where it begins. You're right there and that's a, a major issue at source there, so it is. But at the same time, you have others who have now gone beyond that and are out of control, quite obviously, when you see what's happened to yourselves. Look, I do know and I'm privileged to know that you are moving closer to Drogheda United and there are plans afoot when that happens and that closeness gets, you know, complete to develop where we're talking about, this place you're talking about here. I'm just thinking, you know, for a development, if there's a bigger development to come in, in the pipeline and this is the scenario you're facing, it really says, you know... Can it, can something like that actually proceed? Yeah, um, I, I, be, I believe with a right design over a training centre there, it, it can, it can be secure. Um, it, it's just going to take, it, it's going to take, we can't do it alone and hopefully when we merge with Drawdy United, yeah. we still won't be able to do that without the help of of, of people in government, people in, in their county council um, and people who have access to large-scale funding to do that. But, mm. I mean, you know, to suggest that in a, something like that shouldn't be in that area, I, I think is is, is short sighted. Um, okay. There's, there's no reason why yeah. why sport can't exist in urban areas. Mm. But it, obviously, look, it, it takes a lot of work. But um, this this is why I'm appealing for for the people involved in planning to actually engage. The reason I mention that is that I, I I put it to you for the simple reason that. If ever it's needed in an area, it's needed there. You know what I'm saying, Graeme? That Very is the so. place to do it. And you can't let a small group of bastards, is all I can call them, stop that happening. Yeah, no, look, I completely agree. I think um, there's, there's a huge opportunity, particularly with, with the upcoming measure, which hopefully goes um, swiftly. Um, but there's, there's a huge opportunity to, to actually put something in there that has huge social um, mm. social benefit. But it, but it, it, it's, it's got to involve, you know, all stakeholders um, coming together to, to, to come up with that solution speedily. Yes, I apologise yeah. for using that word because I'm just so, my blood's boiling here thinking about all you do and all the effort you put in and the, the, the integral part you are of so many children's and families' lives and it takes a handful and a minority of these people, they're not people, I don't know what they are, uh, to do something like this. Look, we hear your words today. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you joined me on the show. Nothing's going to stop Drogheda boys getting back up and going. I know that. And on uh, this today and the publicity around it, I am sure that you'll have a lot of people 
behind you and coming to your aid. You know that anyway well, Graeme. Yeah, no, listen, um, thanks for your help. Not at all. You're very welcome. Take care of yourself, Graeme. That's Graeme Campbell there. He's a brilliant chairman of Drogheda Boys and it's shameful and shocking to see what happened there. It really, really is and I wish them well and I hope they get the support that they truly deserve. You do know that uh, work is changing again. Yes, after the pandemic, many people are returning as we speak and have been for the last few weeks to the workplace. And that's going to continue as the year uh, rolls on. And especially at the start of next year, well, there are going to be a lot of people back in the office. But for many, there will be a hybrid situation. In other words, you'll work so many days from home and so many days in the office. And we're starting a new series today with work behaviourist, empowerment coach and leadership expert. And she has many more strings to her bow. I'm delighted to welcome her back to late lunch Fiona Buckley hello Fiona hi Jerry how are you I'm really good so we're talking today we're going to talk first off about transitioning back to work and you know when when you think about this you know so many people their eyes have been opened what they can do from home and equally employers have seen how things can continue to operate but I think it's fair to say hybrid is the way forward Absolutely. I think it's definitely going to kick in more, as you said, uh, Jerry, in January. I think a lot more employers are going with the flow, so to speak, a little bit more towards the end of the year. And I've been working with approximately 30 companies during the pandemic, and all of them seem to be saying, look, there's massive benefits for working from home. We're not wanting to crush on them, and we're not wanting to um, you know, be in a situation where people are unhappy. But it really invo- you know, needs that flexibility from both sides. So both employers, leaders and managers and employees to really have honest conversations about what works for them. Like, for example, Tuesday is known as the most universally productive day of the week. For some people, that may mean they'd be better off in the office, depending on their role. And for some others, it might mean they're better off at home, depending on what they're doing. So we really have to kind of meet in the middle. Flexibility really works both ways here. And I think towards the end of the year, we're trying to get accustomed to and used to the fact that we will be going back that little bit more particularly next year so you're saying to me for example if a, a three day in the office two day at home or vice versa is agreed there may be some weeks you might have to attend more in the office and you've got to be flexible like that yeah, and what a lot of the companies are calling them are collaboration days. Like the key part of having people in is to collaborate because that's what people have missed, Jerry, a lot is being around people. And there's a huge plus for that. But some weeks you may end up working five days from home. Again, it's very role dependent on what that needs and the personal circumstances of individuals as well. And what I'm finding a lot from, again, dealing with organizations a lot is that a lot of their younger type of employees are wanting to return back because they're still learning. They're still shadowing off people. And like, I really felt for employees that started a company during COVID where they didn't go to the office at all. They started and they could have been wearing their pajamas, Jerry, on the first day of work. (laughs) And, um, you know, they, they didn't really see people and they're trying to ingrain themselves in the culture and things like that. So there's huge pluses for going back, but by all means, there is huge pluses for staying at home too. So we're re I'm really pro hybrid, but it, depends on the role in the organization and I think again some companies are are having people back maybe a couple of days every two weeks so there's not a one-size-fits-all approach it really depends on personal circumstances and the company. 
And, and people are anxious about changing. You know, they got used to, you know, the homework situation. And now to go back, for a lot of people that are listening to us today in this area, commuting again, long distances in a way by various means. You know, is that is the anxiety born out of that or is there an anxiety towards meeting people again and fear, you know what I mean, of mixing with people? It's still in the context of a pandemic that's still got ongoing. Yeah, there's a couple of pieces of anxiety and and what we're calling it is re-entry anxiety. That if you cast yourself back, Jerry, to March 2020 when COVID happened, none of us had any plans. All of a sudden, a lot of us were told to work from home and we didn't plan it. It was really out of the blue. So then we had to just kind of roll with it. Now we have time to think about this. And when we have time to think about this, this really promotes anxiety. But it's it's anxiety for, for just going back to the commute and all those kind of things. But also just being back with people that they haven't seen in a long time like over the pandemic I've heard a lot of people saying oh I'm glad I'm not sitting beside Mary anymore and no no disrespect to any Marys out there (laughs) just an example but um, I'm so glad I'm not sitting beside Mary because we had a problem before COVID so what's after happening Jerry is any problems that existed in the workplace pre-COVID are still going to be there. And sometimes people are dreading about going back to those type of things because they've had that gap where they're not in on top of people inside in the workplace. So I think anxiety is coming in, in many different forms here. And it's just we have a lot of time to think about it. I think that's really fueling it. Now, uh, there are various surveys and, and you've brought them to my attention with people, you know, asking people how, you know, they, they view, you know what I mean, going back, continuing to work uh, remotely, etc. But the most revealing one is that 82% of respondents want their company to offer that hybrid work policy when lockdown restrictions end. Can companies just say, no, we want you back in the office five days a week and that is it? I don't see any companies that are going to try and do that from from my personal experience, Jerry, because it's not going to bode well. Like any discussions I've been having with recruitment companies, even they're all saying anyone who's looking for a job right now wants hybrid. It's now a demand of the market. And I think strongly think companies are going to have to roll with that as well. So I don't think it's in anyone's benefit now to have everyone back five days. I'm just very pro hybrid in terms of my opinion, because I can see the benefits. And with a lot of companies that I've been dealing with, they've all said productivity has soared during COVID, despite um, all the forced nature of being, you know, going back to home without any plans. Productivity has still been booming mm-hmm. and people are performing. So there's a lot to be said for that. What are the pros and cons of, you know what I mean, uh, of remote working? Just to highlight them for a moment. And, like, and, and I must say, underpinning that, those uh, uh, survey findings certainly are, you know, the work-life balance, not commuting, things like that. Are there any more I'm missing there in the pros? Yeah, and in line with that survey, Jerry, that you said that, you know, 39% believe their physical health had improved from mm. working from home and 35% had said their mental health improved from working from home. So some of the prones are kind of the obvious ones, like enhanced work-life balance, no commute, not running to a preschool or a creche before the doors close at half five or something like that, and cost savings, you know, and better productivity. Mm. And, you know, there's, there's a term we call psychological safety. A lot of people feel that psychological safety when they're at home uh, in their own surroundings and they're not kind of in an office sometimes with people. So there's a lot of pros and it's mostly along the balance and boundaries. But obviously there's a flip side to that too. Some people are, are, I suppose, not able to keep that balance 
balance some boundaries with her at home. So you can have a flip side to it as well. I think the biggest con is the isolation and loneliness and maybe lack of collaboration or no face to face connection. And, you know, it's human dynamics. We want to be around people. But I guess that depends on your personality type too. more extroverted people want to be uh, connecting a lot more with people. And more introverted people like sometimes that space and reflection time to work away on their own. But ironically, while extroverts love being around people, their productivity soars when they work from home because they're not distracted by all the office chit chat and, you know, the cups of coffee and all that because we love being around people. So our productivity actually increases when we're at home. So the other thing I'd say about a con is the the guilt factor and tendency to work that little bit harder. And pre-pandemic, about six years ago, I worked in a virtual company for years, well before COVID existed. And I used to feel terribly guilty going for a walk on the beach at lunchtime. I was looking over my shoulder, even though there was nobody there. So it's the guilt factor to work longer because we feel we're not in the car commuting. Therefore, I should work eight o'clock to nine o'clock or five o'clock to six Mm. o'clock when I should be in the car. So it's really about that individual really kind of focusing and saying, okay, what do I need to to stop in terms of my behaviors and my day-to-day practices? What do I need to start and what do I need to continue as I move into this potentially hybrid environment? Uh, I'm fascinated by the introvert, extrovert. I'm certainly an extrovert because I missed people. I was at home for six months and I couldn't wait to get back. But we are working longer hours. I get up early in the morning now, have the shower when I have the shower and I start work then straight away. And, you know, you do work longer. There's no doubt about that. But I'm delighted to tell listeners there, and you're going to tell them anyway, there are introverts and there are extroverts and then most people are ambiverts. Yes. Explain that, will you, to us? Yes. So often we, we've heard the words introverts and extroverts quite a lot, I'm sure, Jerry, in, in all sorts of walks of life. But an ambivert, two thirds of the world's population are ambiverts. They're genuinely a bit of both. And a lot of the time people can't align themselves to an introvert or an extrovert. And that's because you are a bit of both. And when you are an ambivert, your energy shifts from day to day. So on a Monday, you could be dying for a bit of banter, some energy and a bit of crack with people. And then the next day you're like, go away from me. <laughs> I want to completely <laughs> go away from everybody. And put myself in the office and not talk to anyone for the day. Now, sometimes people say, oh, what's wrong with Fiona? She was full of energy yesterday and today she won't talk to anyone. There's actually nothing wrong with me. I'm just shifting my energy. So that's what we have to be mindful of with energy. And again, introverts need a lot of time to recharge. So if they're doing lots of virtual meetings... They need that buffer time between meetings just to kind of download what happened in the meeting before they go into the next one, where as extroverts can bounce that little bit more from meeting to meeting and process things on the spot. So a really important part of surviving that working from home or indeed hybrid type of environment is to really tap into your personality and see what that uh, needs to be, you know, see what we need to do with that, because your your personality is the pillar that will hold you or hinder you in terms of meetings and things like that. Absolutely. And leading into our our, our final piece of our conversation today is that whole thing. You know, your personality is one thing. Our mindset, we all have this mindset and our minds run wild at time with thoughts and our emotions are tied into that. Just to finish today with this hybrid model that is going to be part and parcel of the future. Give us a few pointers that people should consider to make the most of their day, please. Yeah. And the personal mindset is so important because we have roughly about 85,000 thoughts per day, Jerry. And that's a lot. But when we're at home, that tends to multiply because instead of being surrounded by people, we're being surrounded by our thoughts. So we have to be very mindful of that. 
Also, 90% of our thoughts are recycled from day to day. So if you're having kind of a bad or a challenging Monday, chances are Tuesday is going to be the same until you interrupt that pattern of thoughts and say, okay, what's going on here? So one of the things that we can do is a concept called the best and worst at the end of each workday. And what this means is ask yourself and reflect on the day, go, what was the best part of my day today and why? And you'll answer that yourself. (laughs) And uh, then you can ask yourself, what was the worst or most challenging part of my day today and why? And that's probably the most important one, because that comes back to bite you as you go to bed. That comes alive at three o'clock in the morning. (laughs) And it's our inner critic that might not have, you know, it might be processing still what happened, you know, throughout the day. And also, we experience a lot of emotions during the workday. We can actually experience 27 emotions during a regular workday. Now, hopefully not all at the same time. <laughs> that would be a pretty much of a roller coaster of a day. But frustration is the top negative emotion in, in any kind of workplace, be it at home or in the office. So we need to make sure we're tapping into what actually caused our frustration today so we can track back and process it on the day. Because if we don't do that, by the time we get to Friday, we're exhausted and our heads are so full. It's like a tangled ball of wool. We don't know what has actually caused that frustration. So my key tip Uh, Whatever the work situation you find yourself for the autumn and for next year's, try and keep a track of those inner critics or those thoughts. And every day, just tap in for five minutes and go, "Okay, how was my day? Do I need to talk to myself about anything or indeed anybody else? And remember, it's okay to have off days regardless of your work setup. Accept this, make any necessary changes for the following day and go on to the next day. Uh, There's a lot of food for thought there, but it's such an important thing to introduce and to talk about and to consider because it's going to affect the majority of us for sure going forward. Lots there. And thank you so much for your expertise again today. I just remind people to check Fiona out, FionaBuckley.com. And her speciality is work in the workplace and working, etc. And more besides. Fiona, till next month. Thank you so much for joining me. I so enjoyed our conversation. Thank you, Jerry. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care yourself. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Fiona Buckley there. And we are working like that here with the hybrid model, I have to say. And there's no doubt the quietness of the home environment is great to get things done. There's no doubt about that. In the office, a lot of distractions, a lot of things going on. But it's lovely to have the mix. I think it works really, really well. Late lunch, LMFM radio. Still to come on the show, my artist of the week. Who are they? You'll just have to stay with us to find out. And, yes, don't miss it after three. We will be naming the five finalists. It's Irish Music Month. You know that. And LMFM are a big part of this as well. And lots of uh, artists have been sending in demos, pitches, songs, etc. for this. And we have the final five now sorted out. And we're going to reveal the final five with Eamon Doyle after three on the show. Stay with us on Late Lunch. Yes, that's keen on late lunch this afternoon. And I want to say a big congratulations to our own Helena Mullins on the birth of our beautiful baby boy called Harvey. Congratulations to Helena and Declan Bracken as well. Declan uh, has a little boy now, uh, Harvey Bracken. And congratulations to both of them and health to enjoy and many, many happy years with your lovely baby. Well done, Helena. We're delighted for you here in LMFM Radio, of course. Now, Rose has been on to me to say... uh, Jerry, not to say, she sent me this little verse and it's in the context of my chatting with Ailish Matthews and Kathleen Black at the top of the show about being parents in their 40s. And I just want to read it to you. Rose, it's beautiful. Have a listen to this. It's titled, If I Had My Child to Raise Over Again. And it says, If I Had My Child to Raise All Over Again... 
I'd finger paint more and point the fingers less. I would do less correcting and more connecting. I'd take my eyes off my watch and watch with my eye. I would care to know less and know to care more. I'd take more hikes and fly more kites. I'd stop playing serious and seriously play. I'd run through more fields and gaze at more stars. I'd do more hugging and less tugging. I'd build self-esteem first and the house later. I'd be firm less often and affirm much more. I'd teach less about the love of power and more about the power of love. I love it, Rose. And that's a little verse we should think about and take with us every day with our children as they grow up. It's absolutely beautiful. And thanks, Rose, for sending it to me this afternoon. Jerry says, Colm, the excuse most people give when these acts of vandalism take place, you heard what happened at Drogheda Boys overnight, the arson attack. Colm says, the excuse is that there is nothing for you to do. The bottom line is these scum don't deserve anything and the responsibility lies with their parents. In most cases, everyone knows who they are and the action should be taken. No wonder your blood is boiling, Jerry. Uh, these as these acts are soul destroying, says Column, and they are, and it is for Draw the Boys, the club, and Graham Campbell, uh, the chairman who joined us a little bit earlier on. But they won't get us down. They won't win. I promise you. That is the promise. Late lunch, LMFM Radio News. Weather and sport on the way. Premier League is back on Saturday and our coverage continues here on LMFM Radio via the app or by clicking on the Listen tab on our LMFM website. That's lmfm.ie. First up, Watford take on Liverpool at half 12 at 3. Leicester face Manchester United and the surprise packets. Brentford are up against Chelsea. London Derby, uh, that's the evening game at half past 5. Premier League live with now. Join in the experience with a Now Sports or Sports Extra membership. Yes, it is there for you. You can pick and choose for sure. Now, my artists of the week this week. Regarded as the founding fathers of Celtic rock, the fusion of traditional Irish and rock music who inspired others from their formation in 1970 up until the present day. Horselips are my artists of the week this week. Again, as we highlight great Irish music and artists here on LMFM Radio during the month of October. Barry Devlin, Charles O'Connor and Eamon Carr, they all worked together at ARC Advertising in Dublin. And during the course of their work in the making of a Harp Lager advertisement, Devlin asked Jim Lockhart to join the three boys to perform on the ad. And that encouraged them to go on and form Horselips in 1970. Did you know Declan Sinnott and Jean Mulvaney were also members early on, but they departed and Johnny Feen joined to complete the famous five. In October 72, Horselips recorded their first album, Happy to Meet, Sorry to Part. And it was the fastest selling album in Ireland. You had to go back over eight or nine years. It sold so quickly and was that popular. And of course, the album sleeve is one of the most unique ever. It's made in the form of a a concertina. It is. It's a, a very unusual album sleeve indeed. In 1973, Horselips became involved in a big project called The Thorn, a stage show in the Abbey Theatre in Dublin. And that was a big part of what they did throughout that year as they paved the way for their next album in 74, which would be Dancehall Sweethearts. But in 73, they released this song. It was a huge hit for the boys and it went to number one in Germany. 
My artist of the week, Horse Lips. Spin that any night in a disco in Ireland and I'll tell you one thing. <laughs> You'd be killed in the stampede on the dance floor, that's for sure. Anyway, more about Horse Lips around about this time on Late Lunch tomorrow afternoon. And talking about Irish artists and Irish music, you do know at this stage that October is Irish Music Month here on LMFM Radio and right across the independent radio stations in Ireland. And we've had a competition running. We've put it to artists and musicians out there in our area and just beyond to come to us with their music and pitch to us as to why they should be selected as the top five in this competition. And after the break, our head of programming, Eamon Doyle, is joining me to reveal the lucky five. Stay with us. A major new initiative to promote Irish artists and bands funded by the BAI Sound and Vision Scheme, supported by XL Retail Group and also backed by MCD Concerts, IMRO and RAAP and all of the local radio stations round Ireland was launched a few weeks back in the middle of September and we put it out here on LMFM Radio to our catchment area and beyond two artists and Irish musicians of all genres to get in touch with us and apply to be selected to go forward in this competition because we're the regional aspect of this but this ties into a whole national programme and to be honest we've been inundated with the amount of talent that has got in touch with us but today's the day the final five are about to be announced and I'm delighted to welcome I think it's the first time he's been with me on the show our head of programming Eamon Doyle is with me to reveal who are the final five Eamon thanks for joining me Thank you very much indeed Jerry. as you said it's been a really um, a great initiative and just some of the numbers there, uh, some of the money that we know that uh, live music um, has been really affected uh, in the last 18 months or so because of the um, pandemic and I know that we have certainly supported Irish music over the last number of years here in LMFM. A local hero, as you say, the complete uh, prize package for instance. We have uh, five acts that we're going to announce today. Each of those five acts gets €750 just to uh, get into this last five. Uh, If you go on then into the final and you're lucky enough to win, there's a prize fund of 5000 in cash, a 5000 worth of um, and music equipment, the release of a single on Ruby Works label. That's home to uh, Jose uh, Rodrigo. Um, our own David Keenan, uh, Keenan is on that uh, label as well. And then you get played on all 25 local radio stations, uh, as I say, for Irish Music Month. Um, in the, the length of time that I've been involved in radio, I'd say this is one of the best initiatives yeah. uh, that I've ever seen coming along uh, to support Irish music and to be involved in. Uh, we had a number of judges here within the radio station that had to select. We'd been inundated mm. with n- numerous uh, groups, bands, singers and everywhere. In actual fact, from outside of the Loudmead area. But we tried to keep them within our, our yes. area of North County, Dublin, uh, you know, Monaghan, a little bit of Carrick and places like that. And indeed in, uh, in Loudoun-Mead. Um, we took a few judges from what inside the radio station which covered our news department our sales and our programming department so we got a little bit of a widespread and we sort of spoke to people as well that are very interested in live music and, mm. and go to live music as such so um, they were delighted to, to judge it yeah. and they thought the standard uh, was absolutely brilliant so it was difficult to get us down to five acts but we've done that uh, what we're going to do now is get the five acts, play them as much as we can for yep. the next month. And later down the line, then, there'll be a whole 
final that's going to be recorded. That'll go out on Clare Smitherini then with Clare yeah. on a Sunday evening later down the, the line, which which will be about uh, an hour's programming. Uh, so, that, you know, that yes. really should be yeah. good. So uh, there's loads happening. So I suppose what we can do is we can go through... Um, some of the uh, groups, and we'll start in no particular order. Uh, it's just how they've come out on uh, out on the sheet. Uh, we have a band called Lunar Effect. They're a combination of five established musicians, a, vi- a variety of musical backgrounds, uh, in each influencing the band's unique sound with elements, uh, progressive rock, punk, funk, and to produce uh, a powerful lyric driven songs so I suppose we can have a little snippet of this it's about 20 seconds mm. and we play each song 20 seconds uh, but this I'll is a, the final five We're but this, hear. Is a first, this is the first of our final five this is Lunar Effect There's plenty of progressive rock, as you said, punk and funk all mixed in there. They're from King's Court and they've just released their debut EP called Theatre of Dreams. They're good, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely brilliant. But I'm saying that the standard has been really good. Yeah. Uh, and the, the, what, what they've sent in, you know, as their demos have been really brilliantly recorded. You know, they've obviously gone to studios. They're really working at it. Mm. And the other great thing about it as well, the, when we emailed them to say, look, you're the lucky five, they were so delighted. Over they the moon. Over the moon. Over the moon. They were absolutely delighted. Number two finalist, Eamon. Let's go for Andy Dempsey. Uh, Andy Dempsey. He's an independent artist from Dublin. He's written songs and has been part of various bands for a good few years, including uh, Around RD, where he's, he's family. Uh, the first COVID lockdown was a catalyst he needed to get him started and focused onto his music. The song we're going to play now is Finish Line from Andy Dempsey. Andy Dempsey there with big RD connections as well. Another talent, a real talent. I don't know how you picked the final five. The third finalist, Eamon. Kelly McCardle, 26-year-old singer-songwriter. She's from Drogheda. She's been writing music since she was 10. She's performed at venues, theatre, pubs and clubs all over the country. She was a semi-finalist in The Voice in 2015. And her um, entry for Irish Music Month is Beat That Face. Kelly McCardle. I think that's really catchy, isn't it? Yeah, it is. That'd grow on you, wouldn't it? But isn't it, isn't it like so good to hear that we've had so many different kinds of music genres in there? Yeah, even the first three there, the yeah. contrast between the three of them. Well done to you, Kelly. Now, number four, Amy, the fourth. In Between Honey, uh, an unusual name. They're a five-piece band. They form in Mead in 2019. Uh, the members all attended the same secondary school a number of years ago when they originally uh, crossed uh, paths. In Between Honey style can be described as indie rock, indie 
pop, their influence, the killers, the cure, the blooms and the 1975. Uh, let's have a listen to them. I'm picking up the killers in there for sure. You mentioned that a moment ago. It's amazing. You can just pick it uh, through that uh, clip from the track there. In between Honey and number four. And there's one more place left. Who's going to get it, Eamon? Well, this is Amy Chute. Uh, she's 20 years of age. She's a singer-songwriter from Dundalk. She's always had a great passion for music and performing. Was thrilled to finally be able to put her own Uh, original song Chasing Trouble she says she would like to do uh, much more with her music in the future and Amy hopes people enjoy listening to her songs as much as she means or enjoys making them Ah, brilliant. Amy Toot from Dundalk. Isn't she fantastic? God, that girl is going places. Eamon, I have to hand it to the judging panel. Fantastic selection. And that's just, you know, a, a snapshot of the talent. Everybody who entered, fantastic. Well done to you all. Yeah, absolutely. Really difficult to pick five. There are five. Uh, you'll hear plenty of, of the songs now across the next number of weeks on LMFM. Uh, we'll be playing them. Our judges will come together and decide then at the end of it all who will go on to represent LMFM in the final. But the best of luck to everybody. Best of luck to Lunar Effect, Andy Dempsey, Kelly McCardle, in between Honey and Amy Chute, the five finalists on LMFM Radio. Thank you, Eamon. And we look forward to playing the tracks right across the station and here on Late Lunch. Eddie's back with The Drive coming up next. Stay with us on LMFM Radio. Haven't a clue what's on tomorrow, but I do know Paul Miner isn't. See you tomorrow at half one. Bye. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drada Dundalk and Cavan. Let Blackstone Motors find the perfect car for you. With over 300 cars to choose from, we have the biggest selection of pre-owned cars in Drada Dundalk and Cavan. Low APR and zero deposit packages available. See blackstonemotors.ie for more details. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves... Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.